Welcome to Better Worlds. This is part two of our discussion about Infinity War. I'm Trevor. I'm Matthew. And I'm Dustin. So, speaking of Gamora, uh, how did you guys feel about Red Skull being the villain that's brought back to life? Um, it validated my long-held theory that he wasn't dead, so... I had only recently realized that he wasn't dead. I think it might have even just been this last rewatch. I realized that he basically, it looks like a Bifrost kind of thing, and he just gets carried away, not killed. It's especially, you like, that got especially validated when you they were later going on, like, oh, that's the Space Stone. Like, well, now you know he's definitely not dead. Yeah. <laughs> he just got teleported to who knows where. But it also felt like one of those plot lines they would never pick up again. So I was like, oh. Yeah, it felt like the the professor or whoever that was in the incredible Hulk mega mind. I don't know. <laughs> the master, Mr. Blue. <laughs> What's his name? Matthew. I just want to hear continued made up. <laughs> Brainiac leader leader. That's it. <laughs> oh, Dustin wins. Oh, that was it. I thought you're still joking. <laughs> Isn't the master a doctor who villain? Yeah, I was, I was, I was thinking of the, the, picture that you sent us of take me to your and i filled in master the first time i was like that's not the phrase (laughs) take me to your leader you two going back and forth making names was all like there's a mystery science theater where like they just do that for this one beefy guy the whole movie and they're like dirk mitch mick punch fist and it felt kind of like it was going in that direction (laughs) i was hoping one of you would do dominator and then use that to like go into an it crowd reference (laughs) Matthew, what's something else you got scribbled on your notebook there? Um, well, it's a notebook page I ripped out. Um, I don't know why I needed okay. to clarify that at all. But the... <laughs> oh, going backward towards the <laughs> towards the um, guardian interactions with Thor, I really liked how everyone but Peter Quill was just enamored with him. Oh yeah, there's <laughs> like this. You are a dude. This is a man. <laughs> <laughs> what did they call him? Like a space angel? Like or a something? pirate, pirate angel. had a baby with pirate an angel. angel. <laughs> <laughs> Drax had a bunch of really good lines in this. Like I continue to be impressed with that man's delivery. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like not even necessarily the character. I'm just like, Dave Bautista, you are able to do these lines in such a way that like I shouldn't be laughing at them still, but three movies later i am <laughs> like when iron man is holding him down and has the big gun i'll do you one better who is gamora <laughs> i'll do you one better why is gamora and like that fits just well with him not understanding like how language entirely should function like he yeah, thinks yeah. he's doing the right thing <laughs> i have a pet peeve about this movie which is what's your pet peeve um spider-man his plan is based on a really old movie called Aliens. Oh, right? yeah. But the move they use is from Alien. Right. <laughs> that bothered me, too. But maybe it's supposed to be that he's young and not keeping it straight well because he's... I don't know. Young and inexperienced. I When he said Aliens, I was thinking, like, what are they going to do? Like, there's no like, I was... cargo loaders or anything? Like, what's going to happen here? Do they have space marines? And then they blow a hole and vent him to space. And I'm like, 
no, no, no. I must have misheard him. I must have misheard him. And so that's um, like 90% of why I went to see it a second time to see if I had misheard him. <laughs> and no, he just got it wrong for some reason. Yeah. Give him a break. This version of Spider-Man was born after 9-11. Public service announcement. Venting your enemy to space is from Alien, not Aliens. <laughs> Thank you, Trevor. It's a perfectly valid tactic. It is, yeah. But it's from Alien. I feel like that either the hole was very thin or he has a very powerful weapon. I don't feel like the hole should have been able to be be breached that easily. I mean, you can see the full uh, thickness of the hole. And it doesn't look terribly thick. It doesn't look terribly thick. I didn't think it was. Yeah. There were, I mean, when they were crashing onto Titan, that reminded me of Prometheus. So it was interesting that there were so many alien tie-ins. I guess that's fair. And so many being just a non-zero number of them. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I thought it was interesting. Like, I honestly expected the Black Order, all the Thanos' lieutenants to do more than they did in this movie. But then I kind of understood like they it was still a formulaic Marvel movie in that like the villain probably like they couldn't do the thing like have Thanos be who he was and have him bite it at the end like they usually tend to do with villains. Not all of them, but like the majority seem to end up dead or something or rather. And they had his lieutenants take the place of that in this movie because they were all dead by the end. <laughs> uh Really? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was thinking, how does the dark elf lady die? But I remember now. She gets tossed up into one of the grindy wheels. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, I don't... The way they did... Not to be confused with Grindelwald. Her, um... (laughs) I mean, in the comics, like, her weird horn thing in the movies was just a helmet. So I don't really know why they made it into, like, a fused part of her skull, it looked like. Grindy wheels on the crimes against humanity. <laughs> it still holds up. Yeah. Um, I don't remember her specific design well enough from the required reading you gave me, Matthew. So question, how did the wizard of the black order give, get his powers? He doesn't have them in the comics. Oh, okay. <laughs> is the answer. Hollywood. That's, that's the answer. His name is the Ebony Ma. And in the comics, his power is that he is very persuasive. I am oversimplifying. Now continue for me, Matthew. Um, He's able to kind of like, it's kind of like a subtle possession, mind control deal to where he's just utterly got Doctor Strange without Doctor Strange ever having any idea just like under his power. And he is arguably the most successful of what, of all the Black Order people and what he has to do because of that. Okay. He's very subtle. Like he was, he would never be like, "I'm going to fight in the streets." Like they did. Like they adapt. It's almost like they halfway they took one of the Black Order members out for the movie, and that was someone who had like telekinetic and telepathic powers that were like would give Jean Grey a run for her money. Um, and I understand why they took that person out, but I feel like they projected part of that person's powers onto Ebony Maw. And they definitely made the other ones not quite as power. Like, they, 
their weapons are were a lot more elaborated in the comics and they weren't they were just kind of random weapons in the in the movie so i don't know they did they ever say their names in the movie only the ma and they they only just called them the ma not for all you know the ma was the name of the ship that blew up <laughs> like they didn't actually attribute it to ebony ma actually i think that that's what i thought was that the mall was the ship <laughs> the space donut i take it the mall is dead yep this day attracts <laughs> oh well okay maybe this not. day exacts a heavy toll like he really liked that ship it looks just like the other three but he really liked that one okay so <laughs> that was my favorite space donut i didn't catch what he said so now i feel stupid maybe that's not what i thought but i do remember thinking that they were referencing the ship at some point but their, whatever their names are in the credits <laughs> okay so definitely a good place to look for them there what are their names um i'd so the whole the hulk guy that doesn't speak english who got dome exploded was dome explode oh yeah yeah, yeah. called call obsidian coal obsidian oh call like you're going He's to call call obsidian in the movie he's actually black dwarf in the comics like a culling or c-u-l-l call okay yeah okay and then what about the hobgoblin guy that was corvus glaive corvus glaive <laughs> okay and the... and his weapon is supposed to be very special in that he cannot die as long as the weapon is intact and in the comics he's like the leader of the black order he does a lot more of the talking than like ebony like the some of the stuff like the ebony maw would said do or the maw in the movie right okay um and then the elf lady proxima midnight proxima midnight that would just be like you know 11 p.m <laughs> or like the time the doomsday clock is perpetually set to <laughs> <laughs> yeah the one that they cut out was named super giant super Oh my goodness. The astronom the astronomical Spare no term. expense. <laughs> astronomical term is what I eventually learned. But when I first heard it, I was like, that's the laziest stupid name I've heard in years. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, super giant. Yeah, I thought they were just having an off day in the naming department. <laughs> and I was like, well, I guess they needed to like set her up like and she's probably the slightest member of all of them. So it was like, I guess they needed to offset Black Dwarf, who's huge. I don't know. <laughs> yes, she is regular sized. Regular sized super giant. Every single one of those are Jaeger names. Just saying. Proxima Midnight, <laughs> um, Ebony Maw, but uh, maybe not Supergiant. That'd be. I think everyone would say, "Get back in there and work on it hard." You, well, we Supergiant wasn't in the movie. Yeah, That's why I wasn't counting him. It her her. <laughs> it's a her. A Cole Obsidian. Yeah, that would work. I'm sorry. I, I'm not getting gender markers from Supergiant. Which one is it? Supergiant was a her. Okay. So, yeah. All Jaegers sans Supergiant. And I think Matthew kind of started to explain this, but I don't know if his audio dropped or if he didn't completely explain it. The group is called the Black Order slash Colobsidian. Those are Mm. two different collective names for the whole group. The big guy is named Black Dwarf in the comics, but they took the Cole Obsidian name and gave that to him for the movie. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. So 
Why is he called Black Dwarf? Because he's really big. Uh, so it's a joke. And I don't know. I'm just. I think they were going for like, again, astronomical joking. terms. So instead of like a red dwarf or, or a blue dwarf or whatever they would. It's a black dwarf. Okay. All right. Because they had to go with like the call obsidian. Like they all kind of had like ebony maw, the black dwarf. Like they were all going for dark midnight. Like they were just going for dark terms. Well, just midnight adjacent. Yeah. Midnight adjacent. <laughs> Um, so anyway, they didn't get used quite in the way that I was expecting. So then I felt bad for recommending Trevor or for both of you to read it. But Trevor actually did read it. <laughs> when did you recommend that I re- read something? I think I said you both if you wanted to prepare. This might have been in text rather than in our oh. podcast. But it, I said if you wanted to be prepared. When they announced these characters were in there, I said you should read this if you want to know who these people are. And then it didn't matter. Yeah. So what was it? Infinity. It's just Infinity. Okay. Yeah, they just made an event called Infinity back in 2013. Okay. It's by Jonathan Hickman. Jonathan Hickman. The other day when I was saying that I saw that post on Twitter where he, like, Jonathan Hickman was saying, like, well, this message board I was on just told me to get off and that I don't have any idea what I'm talking about with Infinity War theories. Yeah. And he literally wrote some of the source material, but okay. Nice. Oh, um, so I wanted to point out, Dustin, did you notice anything at the end credits that might have been confusing? Uh, not confusing. Um, any reference? Did you notice that there was, it said, like, Arrested Development is da-da-da-da. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was going to bring that up, but you brought it up first. Good job. Why I didn't notice any character? Well, I was going to make a public service announcement for this. Okay. And by that, I just mean whoever's listening to this. Um, that is because the blue man, like Tobias's get up as a blue man in um, never nude shorts. He's in one of the pods on nowhere in just as an Easter egg. Like that's what the reference is to. And it has to do with like, um, the Russo brothers who are the directors here worked on and directed like Arrested Development, Hmm. some parts of Arrested Development back in the day. They apparently over many occasions tried to get David Cross to actually come and be the blue man in the tube. But apparently David Cross was busy doing some directing thing in London and he could not be, he did say he wanted to do it. He just could not get the time to actually go in and do it. Yeah, it takes a long time to get painted up. and Well, yeah, like six hours or something. <laughs> I wonder what the payday is for something like that. <laughs> if he had done it. Well, if he worked out a contract where he got residuals based on how the movie performed, he would have... <laughs> exactly. Pro- probably would have made... That was something like in the, when the Avengers... Like, it had... It, like, I think Robert Downey Jr. got paid a bunch of money to do that. And then it had stuff in the Avengers where it was talking about like based on how the performance was, he got more money and it ended up making like an extra 30 or $40 million just because the movie did so well. And I was like, geez, that's a lot of money. Also, I can remember reading things at the time where they were like, Oh, well this is the Avengers. Robert Downey Jr. is getting kind of old and tired of playing this role. We can't probably expect to see him in it much longer. (laughs) And here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. 
<laughs> I still relish the memory of all the people saying that superhero movies were over when Iron Man came out. I love how wrong those people were. And they're still saying it. Yeah. It's almost like it's an unoriginal thought that they'll continue saying regardless. Yeah, I'm sure that there will never be another superhero movie or another Western or another romantic comedy because, you know, people just don't like repetition of genres. And yeah, I don't know. It just doesn't make any sense to write off a genre like that to me. Like, wow, comedies. I bet I bet people are tired of comedies now. They're just not going to watch them anymore. This is a productive topic. Um, how did you guys feel about Spider-Man's death scene? I thought it was odd how long he was able to postpone dustification. You, that was on purpose. Did you Why? know? Um, it's adding to the horror of it because it he's in a suit of nanoparticles that's actively trying to keep him alive. And by doing that... Oh, his suit is nanoparticles too? Oh... Well, I mean, it's... I didn't know that his suit was also nanoparticles. It's a high-tech suit that's trying to fight off his death. And keep in mind, we know he has a spider sense. He's actively feeling that while a suit's trying to keep him alive and a cosmic force is ripping him apart. And that's all because of Tony Stark. And Tony, I think, knew that. And that is what makes the scene so much more horrifying. (laughs) Definitely not because people were connected to him and... Well, I mean that too. It, there, it, yeah. There's a meta reason, but then also I think it fits in with the way it's set up. Yeah, I just didn't, I mean, I didn't think about his suit being trying to keep him together. I thought it was just the old Western trope of if an important character gets shot and killed, they're going to lay there wheezing for a little bit so that they can get in some yeah. last words. Right. Whereas everybody else just falls over dead immediately. They apparently had him uh, ad-lib that scene. Why? Okay. They just said, you're di-. they just gave him like direction, like, you're dying and you don't want to. Go with it. I don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> Ow, my body. <laughs> I don't want to go. Ow, my entire life. <laughs> Cut. That was great. <laughs> It's a good thing that Tom Holland is doing this and not us. <laughs> I don't I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, I'm just as athletic as he is, but I don't know if I could pull off the improv. <laughs> Dustin, I hope we get to a point where Wonder Woman dies in Batman's arms and you have to deal with this. <laughs> but okay, yeah. Well, oh, wait, the other way we around. Talked about... I hope we get to the point where Batman dies in Wonder Woman's arms. Either way, I would be torn up, but... Um, I wouldn't expect for them to come back to life. Why? Oh, I would. Why? I don't know. Just because the franchises? We don't have any characters that that have, like, time-altering abilities yet. You realize Batman, like, got killed by Dark... Like, literally by Darkseid, like, bursting his body into flames, and somehow that just sent him on, like, a crazy trip through time where there was he was, like, Pilgrim Batman, and then he came back to life fine, right? I have no idea what you're talking That's about. That's like a recent... Oh, in the story. comics? Yeah, like a recent storyline. Yeah, I'm talking about in the movies. We don't have any... Um, yet. Characters, that, and I did say yet. <laughs> Roll back the tape. <laughs> we don't have any characters that that have like 
time-altering abilities yet. We do not have any characters that have been introduced that have time-altering abilities. They're waiting. I promise I'm not trying to put salt in the wound when I say this, but could this be just because they reboot the franchise more frequently? The movies? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Like, they don't have... I mean, they're trying to do a big combined universe now, but, I mean, the history is that they just kind of frequently reboot Batman and do new movies that are unrelated to the other ones. So that's why they never need to revive him. I think it's less a rebooting and more of just we're having isolated attempt, like isolated Batman movies or Batman. Yeah, but really, like in it's the just comics. been Batman. Superman had but, some movies that were isolated. Yeah. And then Batman had some isolated movies and then Batman had some more isolated movies. That's what I'm saying. DC comics have resurrections. Right, yeah. Just like any other comics, I think. But the DC movies tend to be more isolated, and so they haven't needed the resurrections in the DC movies. Right. Okay. I So I guess the thing is, in my thinking, with Marvel, they started creating an interconnected movie storyline. Whereas DC got late into that game fairly late before that everything was just hey we want to do some batman movies okay here are the the rights right go have some fun and so it it's not i don't know i would point out that per audience expectations who probably don't do again differentiation between characters that well they're probably just like oh it's another superman movie and for them superman is a continuous line even though we've had four versions is that right three four somewhere in there um so he has time altering abilities from the get-go in this in movie versions so i would assume that audience is familiar with that because that was a very popular movie are probably like oh superman can take care of this he'll just rewind the world yeah he revives lois in the first movie right yeah he just turns the world backwards on its spin because that's how you reverse time i thought he flew backwards around the world yeah, that's what I mean. Does, like he does he spin the earth backwards or does he just fly around it backwards? He flew around it backwards to turn time back. I don't know exactly how that worked, but it did because he's Superman. I just checked and the physics is good. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, T- TBH, I've never seen any of the originals. Like, uh, what's his name? Reeves? Oh, Christopher Reeves. Christopher Reeves. I've never seen any of the Christopher Reeves Superman movies. You know, I watched the first one thinking, these are classics. I should go watch them. And I watched the first one. and I was like, huh, I'm not going to continue with this. <laughs> so I think you've made the right choice. And that's the one people seem to think is really good. Yeah. Yeah. There is definitely a point where he rescues a cat from a tree that like a kid is looking up at longingly. And he hands the cat down to the kid and he's like, bye-bye, Billy, and flies off. And this, the scene starts to transition and you hear Billy run in and tell his mom. And he's like, mom, a man flew down out of the sky and rescued the cat and rescued my cat from the tree. And you just hear the mom go, how many times have I told you not to tell lies? And there's a big slap sound. <gasps> like, <laughs> And I was like, oh my gosh, that this isn't that old of a movie. <laughs> it's like in a Christmas story when... <laughs> The mom calls the other mom and Oh yeah. Have you guys seen that? Yeah. Okay. 
if Superman were a real hero, he would get that kid out of his abusive home. Yep. Well, I was going to say he had flown away and didn't hear it, but he clearly did. Like, <laughs> he's Superman. He has super hearing. It's a clearly right. established power. He heard all of it. Yep. You heard it here first, folks. Superman is a fake hero. Um, okay, let me see what else. Oh, can I also throw another theory at you guys? Hit me. Oh, wait, I'm going to... We're at the two-hour mark. Do you have enough left in your Infinity War Grail Diary to do another episode, or should we continue? We should continue. Like, I don't have that much more that I'm going to cover. Okay. We could still probably... We'll still probably talk about stuff in the next episode, but... um, The... So, my... The first thing I wanted to note was that it was interesting at the end when they had that they had the shot framed with just all the people who were left in Wakanda because it's a version of the original Avengers. Cause you have four of the original Avengers there with Thor, Bruce Banner, um, cap and widow you have. And then you have, when you say original Ad- Avengers, you mean the original movie Avengers, six. the original six from the original, the original Avengers movie, movie Avengers. Yes. The original movie Avengers. I should clarify that. Um, so you have those four. You've got War Machine standing in as the Iron Man who's not there. And you've got Rocket standing in as the wisecracking sharpshooter for Hawkeye who's not there. <laughs> and I just thought, that's an interesting shot frame. Like, it almost feels like that's what they're trying to do. But um, I was going to say, in terms of how they, like, I almost would expect something to happen in infinity war part two or whatever they Avengers assemble or Avengers forever or whatever they want to call it um, with Avengers assemble or Avengers forever being a popular like storyline they did in Avengers. So I almost wonder if they aren't going to have a thing where each of the six original movie Avengers is holding a stone and then they do something with that. Is the last movie going to be called Avengers assemble? I halfway want them to do it, but they already... So, to make it... it And I, of course, mean last movie in this arc. I'm, I know they're making more. <laughs> yeah. It would be confusing because they called... They called the Avengers Avengers Assemble in the UK. Like, the, the Avengers oh, was called that. Because okay. they already had the Avengers as a spy thing from the 60s Okay, in the UK. And they didn't want people getting confused, so they called it... The Avenger or Marvel's Avengers Assemble or something like that. Okay. I've seen people online call it Avengers Assemble and I thought they were just trying to be cute or something. Like, oh, Avengers isn't enough to clarify it because there's other movies called Avengers subtitles. So we're going to just make up a subtitle for this one. Nope. Easy way to spot a Brit. Okay. Now I know. <laughs> um, I mean, the movie the old the avengers exists here too so i maybe it's just the fact that it's not well known i think it was that it was more popular there okay like and people if you said the avengers would think oh yeah that british spy thing and i want to point this out as a child looking for things in my library for the avengers i was deeply annoyed by that british series because that's all that was in circulation ah <laughs> i'm still bitter yeah and that's where i've seen it is when i'm searching for stuff and i see the Avengers and Marvel's The Avengers. Oh, and I want to say that I was very pleased with um, that it felt like Wanda was continuing to develop her powers and that we had many scenes where she rescued the Vision. 
instead of like, I don't know, that kind of inverts the trope of like the male character having yeah. or like rescuing the female character and um then like turn and he had done that a couple of times, I guess. So it was nice to see that perpetually being turned on its um on its head. And they it's undersold how powerful she was. She held off someone with five infinity stones while destroying a six, and she did it. <laughs> yeah. If Thanos hadn't had the time stone, I don't know. I just think that it's undersold that, and I guess they were kind of saying like she could do it because she was empowered by the mind stone. But at the same point, it was still impressive that she destroyed like a uh, elemental fragment of creation or whatever they want to call it. I would like to point out you were correct about the vision dying. I take no pleasure in this. But I find it interesting. <laughs> yeah. I find it interesting that the arc of that in the movie fairly closely mirrored our discussion about whether or not he would die. With the vision taking your point of view that he was going to die and everybody else taking my point of view, like, we can find a way around this. <laughs> Maybe there's another way. Maybe we can get it out of him. And they were all wrong, but I mean, they could have been right if they took him to Wakanda way earlier, but they didn't. So, or if Scarlet Witch had stayed in the tower. Yeah, I did want to point out. I liked that they played that as a joke when she came down and like destroyed that whole machine, and then Akoya was like, "Why was she up there all this time?" Like, just very matter of factly, perfect characterization for Akoya. And I feel like a movie, the movie could have left it just for that joke and been like, well, that was stupid. She shouldn't have been up there. They immediately answer the question of why she was up there because they were trying to draw her out. And you see Proxima Midnight say, she's on the field. Go in now. Like it was clearly just a ploy to make sure that she was engaged and not there to defend the vision. Vision was double fridged in the actual usage of fridging. In that he died twice yeah. <laughs> in quick succession. But he didn't develop anyone's character by doing it. He developed um, a gauntlet. That, if you count the gauntlet as a character, then sure. Yes. <laughs> um, he developed uh, Scarlet Witch, uh, at least her tears. I d- You're mean. Um, <laughs> I did appreciate that everyone went to great lengths. It felt like they cared about the vision. And I appreciated that because it felt like it would be easy to be like, well, you're a secondary character. We don't need to care about you this much. And it, they, that gave the Avengers a bit more of the family feel that I like about the team that they like and want to protect each other. Um, It's a little weird that anyway, that, but uh, the whole arc of that. And then the fact that they, spent so long trying to get around it and showed on the diagram of what Shuri was looking like. It looked to me like she only had maybe like one or two other major nodes to disconnect on the Mind Stone instead of the whole connection network you see initially. So that makes me wonder if she didn't get far enough that it's somehow partially successful or something like that, that they can somehow bring him back. And the fact that she is presumably didn't see her leave, so I'm guessing she's still there. The fact that they have like the most brilliant 
person around to and who clearly understood what she was doing, but for the lack of time and but for the lack of time would have succeeded makes me hopeful that he is not like, I don't know, I have more optimism about him not being totally gone. Rocket's got a prosthetic forehead in his backpack. Yes. <laughs> I stole that joke from somebody. I don't remember who. I might have said that, actually. Okay. It was either you or one of our wives. Oh, they're also very clever. So that let's just say that. I just don't want them to listen to it and be like, he stole that from me. So I have to acknowledge. <laughs> Is it Yandu's forehead? Oh. oh. <laughs> that would actually make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just Can imagining. you imagine Vision with a an arrow, a whistle arrow? I'm just imagining with the huge head fin, and he's like, "Does this this stand out? Does this seem garish?" And like, and him just like firing beams of light out of it. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be a lot like uh, Trevor's Destiny character. <laughs> oh yeah, he would. My Destiny character is a robot unicorn. This is true. Humanoid robot. I'm, it, he's humanoid. He's got a, a unicorn horn. It sounds weird now. <laughs> the fact that they use narrative space to have Bruce Banner point out like, oh, well, vision, if we take out the Mind Stone, there's still a lot of vision left. Maybe the best parts. Like That makes me feel like the fact that they took the time to point it out is showing the direction they're going to go. Yeah. I like how you now have the opinion that I had before seeing the movie, and I now have the opinion that you had before seeing the movie. We've, we've reserved, reversed positions. You think this can be fixed. We have the technology. We can rebuild him. And I think, well, he's dead. He's super dead. Oh, see, the way that I'm coming at it is like fearing the worst possible thing. Well, the worst possible thing happened. So there is literally nothing left that could be worse. <laughs> They're not going to. They literally exploded him, reformed him, and then painfully killed him off. Like they could smush his body with a boulder. And I would just be like, well. It's not as bad as what's already happened. Like it, I could still lose a lot. Me personally, I could still lose <laughs> a lot. What have I got left to lose? <laughs> so, are you the captain in this case, and I'm the someone who's lost everyone? That was unexpectedly poignant for me. Like I was yeah. not. I don't think I wasn't thinking Chris Hemsworth could pull off that emotional range. Not maybe pull off, but I wasn't. I wasn't expecting them to do that, I guess, is more what I want to say. And have it land narratively where it did. I love how, like, the actor is good enough that the character trying to say everything is okay is utterly unconvincing. Like, I mean, like, in a way that the actor pulled it off. I'm not saying the actor didn't pull it off. He did a good job making us believe that the character was trying to convince us that everything was okay. And that he was going to be good. But we knew that the character was actually not okay. Oh, yeah. And I I really liked that. Um, not like happily liked it. I felt bad about it. It was effective. And I felt bad finding out later when he was like, what happened? And what happened? What about a best friend? Spear through the heart. Um, or stab through the heart. And I was, I mentioned that to Trevor and I was like, I didn't know Heimdall was his best friend. And then Trevor's like, well, he could have been talking about any of the Warriors 3. And I was like, oh, no, that makes it worse. He was just saying, like, all my best friends have been stabbed through the heart. And then you realize, like, geez, he has lost. Like, I don't know, just the sitting down and accounting all of it. You're like, oh, geez, I'm sorry, man. (laughs) 
that got a little heavier than I was thinking. Um, I like I love the fact that more than once the most emotionally effective scene in a movie for me has been one involving a raccoon. Yeah, because oh. in Guardians of the Galaxy, the most emotionally effective scene for me is when Rocket gets drunk and is yelling about like he didn't ask to be made. Yeah, no, I would agree. That's the that's the part where you feel like the most like, oh, geez, how did the how did a talking raccoon carry the (laughs) the emotional weight of that movie there? Yeah. I also love that a raccoon is fighting on the front lines of the battle for the universe. That's like the very front line of the battle for literally the entire universe is a god, a tree and a raccoon. (laughs) (laughs) And it works so well, like, honestly, if you told me we were getting a movie called Thor and Rocket based on this movie i would be really excited about that same i that was my favorite moment him coming in on the bifrost with rocket on his shoulder so that there were two things that were just smaller deals but they were like the purest moments of the movie for me just like the like characters having the purest sense of enjoyment or wonder or like feeling like oh maybe this is like how a kid would enjoy a comic spectacle like this um one was when Rocket sees Nadabalir light up and he just has like this joyous wonder look in his eyes. And I was like, this is so pure. I just enjoy that he is enjoying the wonder of that because that feels like it would be really easy to ignore the spectacle as an audience where you're like, you've seen so much, but like Rocket's just enthralled. I loved the slight characterization in that. And then the part where they're talking about how Titan has been horribly destroyed because of the ecological collapse it endured. And Star-Lord is talking about it and everyone's kind of like paying attention to that. Mantis is just enjoying the low gravity in the background and is jumping yeah. up and down very just childlike and free. And I was like, that fits her character very well. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed just like the pureness of that. Also in the background with Mantis when Chris three says put on our tough faces or our angry faces. I don't remember what his exact words are, but he's getting ready to rough some people up and try to get some cash out of them after rescuing them. And he says something like put on your angry faces and just watch the face that she makes in the background. Yeah. And she, that was yeah, pretty great. Pretty she holds it for a while too. <laughs> yeah. Pause. You again have said Chris three. What the heck? What does that? What do you mean by that? Um, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Pratt. Oh, I see. Okay, that makes sense. Or I guess we should say Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Chris Pratt. So Chris Evans should be too because he showed up later. So I don't understand. Now I'm confused about the low gravity. Like physiologically, you would think that a large species would develop on a planet that had high gravity because they have to stout to um he's not a member of his species no you see he's large because he's from titan oh wait what planet were they on titan Titan. okay he's titan he's from titan he's large because he's from titan but titan has low gravity i'm not sure if it's supposed to be he's a titan because he's from titan i don't know if it's supposed to be our yes but he is also large (laughs) he's a titan sorry i'll stop i'll just let you make your point okay Dustin, I'm, I'm not so, sure it's supposed to be our Titan. I don't care whose Titan it is. I am sure I'm it's not saying. supposed to be our Titan. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care whose Titan it is. 
the fact that they have low gravity, he wouldn't have thick limbs and be super strong. Didn't they say the gravity was all screwed up or something? That's what I'm getting. Maybe. That, like the planet, and that's what I'm trying to get at is that there's there's an issue here that we need to resolve. Yeah, like basically something they did something and screwed the planet up. I think is the idea. Okay. Like it's not supposed to be that way. But then also he's not his species doesn't look like that. His species looks fairly humanoid. Like it's normal really? humanoid. Why does he look all jacked up then? Um, uh, he's uh, what a, he's a freak. <laughs> it, go with that. I can't remember the okay. name of. The Eternals is what they are. I think no, that's not right. There is some alien race, and he was species Eternal Deviant Hybrid. Yeah, that's it. He so it was something like that. He basically is. A, let's go with a freak, Dustin. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next question: Does anyone have a problem? How did you guys feel about uh, Thanos's motivation throughout this movie? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just. <laughs> Sorry, I I went to the Thanos page on Wikipedia. I saw Eternal Deviant Hybrid. Each of those was a link, so I opened them in tabs. I clicked to Eternals. There we have see this little thing with combo characters. I clicked to the Deviant tab. No pictures, but it's still clearly about the comics. Then I clicked to Hybrid, and I just see a picture of a mule. <laughs> <laughs> He's a mule. Wait, can I offer like a very brief... Uh, okay, right. I should have done this in follow-up. It's an Assassin's Creed follow-up about hardworking donkeys. Save it. I will save it. What were you going to say, Dustin, before I saw the mule? So how do you guys feel about Thanos' motivation throughout this movie? Movie. I thought it was well done. Okay, I'm going to compare it against how he is in the comics. In the comics, he's a genocidal maniac that is just the over-the-top thing of the villain who's literally in love with death and, like, the physical personification of death and is just trying to woo her heart. This version was a much better-done version (laughs) than that. It's hard to sell a death cult. It's hard to sell someone who's basically a piney teenager for death. Like, he he might as well... (laughs) Oh, it's just, like, I'm so glad they didn't do that. Like, it would have been... They kind of have a nod to it at the end of the Avengers, I guess. But it's this version feels more real world rooted. Not it feels like someone who's taken the idea, like the whole social engineering thing way too far. Like if Thomas Malthus gained superpowers. Uh, I saw somebody criticizing. The portrayal of Thanos saying basically it the movie failed because nobody properly critiqued Thanos's methods and they thus allowed him to be too humanized and too sympathetic and a genocidal maniac should not be sympathetic. I can't really argue this person on their points because they are like extremely knowledgeable about philosophy. And so I wouldn't want to try to actually like debate them on this or anything, but in my opinion, I like seeing the genocidal maniac humanized because we often forget that genocidal maniacs are human. And I think it sometimes people forget 
what, and obviously Thanos is not human, but just in the sense of how these myths shape the way that we think about the world. Sometimes we forget that humans are capable of really horrible things because we take the historical people who've done really horrible things and we frame them as monsters and we forget that they were human. And then we forget that other humans can do horrible things in the future as well. So I kind of like having something built into the myth-making that helps us remember that monsters are humans and humans can become monsters. And monsters often think they're doing the right thing. And those are really the most terrifying monsters. Especially given that he thought he was doing the right thing and didn't... There was never a point he... Rel- he wasn't happy ever doing it. He did what he thought he absolutely had to do. Yeah. And he even describes it as a burden. Like, yeah. And to his, as soon as he's done with it, he doesn't like go and lord over creation with power or anything. He goes back to doing exact, like just being in the middle of nowhere, being a, I think he was a farmer at one point in his backstory. It looks like he goes back to farming and just watching the sunset. Yeah. So I have two questions. One, doesn't his plan fall apart in another million years or however long it takes for life to double in size? And two... I don't think it even take that long. Yeah, I don't either. Um, two, I kind of got the impression that he went back to a renewed titan. And so if he has the time stone, why doesn't he just do that instead of wiping out half of the universe, just go back to his own home planet, like rewind the clock? Or just make more food. And and then make more food. Yeah. You know, he could fix it in other ways with with infinity stones like <laughs> but yeah you're right it doesn't just taking half the population down isn't uh i don't know i guess that my thought was like man he knows nothing about like economics or like the economic collapse that any society losing half of their people would inevitably bring about and he's like well i guess maybe that i guess you could argue that's part of the point then because if the system falls apart that probably stops population growth from the trends it would be on so but then also like the other thing is I mean, you can, I don't think you're supposed to analyze it too closely because it gets kind of weird because like, was it a species by species basis? What about a, like, did he double the number of pandas because they were endangered and they needed to be closer to balance? So (laughs) I don't know. I almost feel like him trying to impress death is a better motivation than the one that they had now that I'm thinking about it. Because I don't know. I, I just think it's very linear thinking to I'm going to gather up all of these powerful stones that would allow me to alter reality and time and give me power. And so I'm going to use those to kill half of the universe because my planet died out because there was an imbalance rather than I'm going to use these all powerful stones to go back in time and fix my planet. I don't know. He's a villain, I guess. Whatever. But he doesn't 
because he thinks that he is benevolent and merciful, he wants to bring that the benefits to everyone, not just his own world. It's also possible that he would think he was he wanted the quick and merciful thing that he could think of, and he might not think he has enough imagination to pull off more creative solutions. He turned guns into bubble guns. And he likes bubbles. Things into bats, and I thought the way I I liked the way they had him use the reality stone. I thought that was pretty cool, but I don't know. Yeah, he did. Uh, the reality stone's kind of overpowered. I feel like no should be a. Uh, a little bit of a game over thing if you can use that accurately. Yeah. Although they have a rule in the comics that doesn't exactly translate, I think it obviously doesn't translate in the movies where reality where the stones slash gems can't affect each other. Like you couldn't use the reality stone to say, I will it so that the other five gems are on my on my gauntlet or whatever. Ah, yeah. Once he got all of the gems, his fighting technique consisted of clinching and unclenching his fist. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was a little bit hard to for the filmmakers to make interesting. Other than when he clinched his fist, something interesting happened, I guess. But as an actor. They had to make it weird. It was a little weird that they were like, they had to make it like, well, he has to clench his fist to make it activate, <laughs> which I was like, that doesn't. OK, we'll go with it just because you need to have that to make this scene work. Some visual cue. Yeah. Personally, that's a little too much like Spider-Man's web shooter for me, but uh, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> also, oh, that was my point. I was going to bring up how much Peter Parker is like a puppy in this, in that he's intensely loyal, follows the person he perceives of as his like mentor loves everyone he comes in contact with and tries to save them when things go wrong and then yeah it, the he is not he is outlived by the person who is his master slash mentor puppy man puppy man that's whatever a puppy can <laughs> um oh and the one other thing i wanted to make i was gonna see what you guys thought of this i was surprised with how little to a small degree, Black Widow, but to a larger degree, um, Cap was used. Like, it just felt like for it being a main Avengers movie, they did not show up. They were not doing nearly as much as you would think they would be or featuring as much in it. And I think that ties in directly with our expectations being shattered regarding who would live and die. Because now at least for the beginning, probably at least the first half, if not more, all of those original Avengers are going to be at the center of what's happening because a lot of the other people are gone. Yeah, there's just no one else to take up the screen time. So they will have their day. I think they may have intentionally spent time with the people who are going to disappear. Yeah, that could be the, that could be the case. Um, Although, I mean, Iron Man certainly gotten a lot of it and oh that i feel misled because they were like oh don't worry hawkeye's in things and he plays a pivotal role and it's like did you guys should i'm wondering if they even remember how they filmed these movies because they were all filmed kind of to get like i think either interconnectedly or back to back 
So it's like, maybe they just didn't realize he wasn't in this one. <laughs> I see when it got to the end of the movie and he hadn't showed up at all. I really felt like they had lied to us again. Like I understand not giving spoilers and stuff, but it really frustrates me when they just straight up lie about stuff. Especially when they acknowledge like, oh man, not having Hawkeye in like, this is stuff that literally I think Kevin Feige was saying, not having Hawkeye in the promotional material has been the best thing that ever happened to the character. Like everyone wants to see him and they're like doing like internet memes with him and just it's all that they were like really pleased with the reaction. And it's like, that would be so much better if he had been in the movie somehow (laughs) other than a one, a single line. Yeah. I guess the next movie is going to have to center around Hawkeye, Ant-Man and Captain Marvel. Don't forget the wasp and the wasp, the wasps. If we're assuming that none of them were dustified. Yeah. I'm wondering if the trailer won't be like Hank Pym being dustified or some, or the teaser at the end of Ant-Man and they'll be like, wait, what? A friend suggested to me that they may escape that by being in the quantum realm hmm. at the time. I guess that, that could be the case. Or, but he did also suggest maybe they'll be in the quantum realm getting Janet out. They'll come back and Hank will be gone. Yeah, that could make sense. And I'm kind of a, I'm just totally, I don't know. That could be interesting. I also wonder if they won't throw in like a Hawkeye teaser with Ant-Man and the Wasp. Because it's the only place he could like functionally show up before Infinity War Part 2. Yeah. Betsy thinks that his family, or at least a significant part of his family, I mean, even one person in his family would be enough, but she thinks that his family will disappear. What if he's left holding like one, like his baby? That would, like his youngest baby. That'd be horrifying. Yeah. Um, But it would definitely be a way to bring him back into the fight. Yeah, that's, yeah, she's got a pretty good point there. Also, we, how did we not get to the teaser? Like at the end of this movie, that's kind of maybe the important thing for how it's going to develop. Captain Marvel will save them. I was very excited about the teaser. She will be a much needed reinforcement. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was excited by the, the pager thing. I'm excited. I mean, I like, I like Carol. So I was excited that we were finally like, we knew she was showing up, but it's nice that she's, it's finally like at least canon, I guess, if you want. <laughs> and it's not just, we know the movies in development and coming out next March, but it also just based on some of the reaction I was seeing, like even just to that little thing, I'm seeing a lot of people that are very excited and specifically a lot of like women that are very excited. And I was like, Oh, I hope this gets to be like Marvel having its wonder woman moment or something like that. Yeah, it could be, but I almost feel like it has for some reason, the DC characters have like a really solid place in culture where like Batman, Superman, wonder woman are just like really firmly ingrained in a way that a lot of Marvel characters aren't. Yeah, but Marvel has good movies. <laughs> um, so give it 50 yeah. years and maybe we'll, everyone will know who Captain Marvel yeah. is. But I don't know. I'm, I mean, people I'm, didn't know who Iron Man was until the movies. Yeah. And people didn't know who Black Panther was. And that's what it is. So and People didn't know who Thor was before this movie in Ragnarok. So <laughs> apparently. <laughs> so I, I guess in light of Black Panther, especially... Um, I guess Captain Marvel could still be um, a cultural moment like that. 
I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm just excited that it could potentially be. I, Wonder Woman was kind of its own watershed moment, so I'm not expecting it to kind of hit that level. But I don't think I ever told you guys this, this but relating to the conversation we'd had about Wonder Woman's armor, my sister, who has her master's degree in ancient Near Eastern archaeology, mentioned that she had absolutely no interest in Wonder Woman up until she saw a poster and noticed the historicity of the armor. Oh. And it immediately made her want to see the movie. That's a cool detail. She was like, huh, that's real armor. I need to see this. <laughs> that's really cool. The, um, that, so the only thing I can bring into this is the Marvel side where like Captain America or Captain Marvel's most recent suit design that they're going off of is like, suppose is in part based off flight suits because she it came in through the air force and was a pilot. So that's what they were trying to, they finally gave her a good costume design in the earlier part of this decade. Cause before it was just uh, not good. <laughs> Several not good variants. Just like overly skin tight. Like a lot of them are. I, yeah, let's go with that. Okay. Um, so anyway, the, that was exciting and it will be, um, in, I don't, I, I'm having a hard time even thinking of how they're going to incorporate her. That's not just, um, I don't know. I, they'll do it in a way that feels kind of like or somehow still organic, like how Thor running into the guardians, like that didn't feel even ham fisted or anything. It felt like, okay, this makes sense. Like just the way they did it. And they were all, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see how they pull off. She might just come back to earth in a flash of light. I don't know. We'll see. I'm assuming she's off fighting scrolls, which have been for the past two and a half decades or whatever. Was that too much? Spo- Did you guys know that's actually the? How much do you know about Captain Marvel the movie? I had heard that. Okay. Have you heard anything about other people who might be? I other heard... people you know already who might be in it. Yeah, but if you're afraid to say it because of spoilers, then I haven't. I mean, this stuff's going to be on the poster anyway, right? Yes. Like, it's not anything that you wouldn't know. Like, looking at the poster just with names, you would know it. It's going to have Martin Freeman, right? Oh, I hadn't heard that part. That makes sense, though. I Maybe that was just a wish list thing. I thought I heard that it was going to have Martin Freeman. No, that makes sense. He's Air Force. She's yeah, Air Force. he's Air that Force. That totally makes sense. Yeah. Okay. No, so, make... I guess, I guess I'm not 100% sure that's confirmed, so grain of salt well now i hope they put roadie in it hmm. that could work i don't think they will but i kind of hope they put roadie in it but i if he's there i have not heard about it they've confirmed that samuel L. jackson is a major a, a two-eyed samuel L. jackson is a major player and um phil colson is in it okay okay i'm looking now at imdb and i do not see him listed for captain marvel Martin Freeman or yeah. Captain uh, Martin okay. Freeman. Yeah. So maybe that was not actually confirmed. Maybe I was wrong about that, but that would make sense. Wait a minute. Lee pace. Does that mean that Ronan's going to be in it? Oh, Ronan is back. Yeah. Don't, I was going to say that's, Oh, and, um, the guy who was Korath, the pursuer who first met star Lord. Okay. In the beginning of guardians and was like, I'm star Lord who like the guy who says who is. Yeah. 
So they're obviously. Have we? Did you think Romanen was a spoiler? It might be, but I mean, you're going to see it on yeah posters. I'm assuming he's going to be a primary antagonist because if they've got him and they've got scrolls, they're kind of probably doing a Kree scroll war thing. So yeah, and it might be showing like why Ronan becomes an extremist. Yeah, it it really looks like the Martin Freeman thing was just a rumor slash wish list wish list thing because yeah, not here. Um, My long dream that I don't think they would do, but would be that they would also introduce Monica Rambeau in Captain Marvel and that then we would get her when, cause she was also a Captain Marvel, but I don't think they would do that, but I will hope. Watching that teaser at the end of infinity war. I felt like they were setting up a left behind movie. <laughs> I halfway wonder if they won't, if they took any time to talk about like how people responded to it, you know, in the real world, there would be tons of people who were like, that was the rapture, but it would like be a hard time, like with people squaring that theologically because they'd be like, but so-and-so is still here. And -and so-and-so got taken. Well, only the Lord knows the heart. Something like that, I suppose. Um, you know, they would they would just say the only thing we were wrong about was the clothes got taken too. <laughs> that was our only mistake. Um, I feel like was that everything? Was there, did we? Other than yeah, being excited for. Um, let me see. Da, 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 da. I think I've hit everything major. I want to talk about that unless we think of other things that um we circle back to later. And by that, I mean, like, just do follow up in later shows that might possibly turn into full on shows in and of themselves. I feel like the, you, there's a lot in this movie to yeah. dissect. Oh, and actually, I, there's Black Panther follow up. Black Panther got a bump going into Infinity War and it's mm-hmm. like numbers <laughs> went up. So it's yeah, um, I think it got pulled back into like the top five performing movies in theaters. So it was just funny that that happened and i think it's over 700 million dollars in the u.s alone now (laughs) which is kind of insane very much a side note had you guys previously noticed that roadie gets mentioned at the beginning of dr strange yes oh the yeah the air force colonel yeah i didn't notice until my last rewatch but when he's driving and taking calls about potential cases to work on roadie and his spine problem are mentioned doesn't he reject that one he does or does he crash okay he, i think he rejects it that is another good um i think when i rewatched it i was like oh that changes where i would want this movie because i was thinking it would be like my initial thing where i said oh civil war then doctor strange and thor ragnarok but that means you have to watch that one after <laughs> civil war 2 technically to catch the easter egg so yeah putting it like at the end so that Ragnarok leads direct. Well, yeah, that leads directly into um, infinity war would still work. Anyway, I think that's all I can think of to say about infinity war. Well, I don't know if we've gone long enough to slice this into two episodes. Sure. We have one super long episode. An hour and 20 each. I don't personally understand it, but people do seem to appreciate the shorter episodes, even if it's a two parter. Yeah. Although if they do just go with the boring Infinity War Part 2, then we're going to have a really confusing situation where we have episodes that are like 
Infinity War Part One. So we'll have like the title of this episode, and then in parentheses, Infinity War Part One, and then Part Two of the episode will have another title and be labeled Infinity War Part Two, and then next year we'd have episode title and then in parentheses Infinity War Part Two Part One, and Infinity War Part Two Part Two. Well, then we just call it Infinity War Electric Boogaloo or something. <laughs> we'll just have to. Hope they come up with a better name than Infinity War Part 2. Are they going to call it Infinity War Part 2? I hope not. I don't think so. Initially, I don't think so. But in the initial, when they initially announced it, they said Infinity War Part 1 and 2. Right. At these release dates. And I think they, that then, they. I'm with Trevor on this. They were. They backtracked and said they were not going to announce the title because it would be a spoiler. And then they were like, oh, well, people are going to be too busy talking about the movie, so we're not going to announce the, the movie name for um, a good while, which makes me wonder if they aren't going to wait till the Disney Summit in, like, what, is that September or something to do it? There's, like, an annual Disney thing that I think they've been announcing some stuff at as they go along. They made it sound, and they're not going to be at Comic-Con this year, so it's not going to be not going to be there but they um they keep just like saying things and like walking it i don't know they were like oh well don't worry about it this movie is definitely not a part one it's got a beginning middle and end that is its own thing and it's like you're technically kind of right but you're also yeah <laughs> it felt like one giant act three <laughs> i mean yeah, like, and they yeah yeah so i don't know they uh, they were there was a big thing that came out at one like going into it saying like well why are they doing so much effort to make it seem like it's not just a part one to a part two and then they were the the piece I was reading was talking about how when there are movies that do that what ends up happening is the part one way overperforms and the part two kind of like sinks at the box box office and how like because of that historical pattern they've tried to and then like by association both of the movies that are like essentially part one and part two kind of get dragged down in remembrance yeah so they were saying that like really they were they looked at that data and were trying to avoid that by like the aggressive it's not a part one part two branding that makes sense i was trying to rename all the movies for my friend who far prefers iron man above anyone else (laughs) i he asked me for my top five MCU, MCU movies just off the top of my head. And then I asked him what his were. He didn't respond immediately. So I guessed Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Iron Man's 5, The Avengers, Iron Man 3, and Iron Man's Robot, Age of Ultron. But I feel like this could be done with more of the movies because he's in just like all of them. Um, I'm not saying we need to do this, but it's just a thought. Iron Man's Hulk. The Incredible um end sequence iron man's cameo (laughs) i was particularly proud of iron man's five the avengers that's pretty good it makes it sound like a heist movie they had one of those it was good thor the dark world was that a heist movie or ant-man no thor ragnarok was the heist movie it was all a long scheme by loki to get into the vault and get the tesseract without anyone noticing and it worked yes it was (laughs) you're correct and he would have gotten away with it, too, if not for those meddling Call Obsidian <laughs> murdering everyone. He if it weren't for those meddling <laughs> kids of Thanos. I'm just imagining now, like, 
how terrible Scooby-Doo would be if they were like, I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you killing everyone I know. (laughs) (laughs) Committing massive genocide and utterly ending my life as I knew it. Also killing me. Did you ask about The Dark World being a heist movie, Dustin? I did indeed. I am referring to the part where they're planning what they're going to do. They don't actually do a heist, but the way that they're planning and execution of the breakout from Asgard goes is um, it's put together the way heist movies are where they're like gathered around a table and like, here's what we're going to do. And then it like shows it happening at the same time that they're explaining it. So it's like in the form of a heist, even though they're not actually, they do break Loki out in the process. Wait, I just remembered one very important thing I need to point out that I was not expecting and was deeply pleased by. It's a hard to catch detail, but if you look, especially like a little bit later at Captain America's um, uniform, it's got tears in it. And underneath the tears, he has his classic like metal scale top. And I'm very happy about this. I guess I'm not knowledgeable enough to appreciate that. You know what the look is. Like, it's not. Hold on. I can. Oh, you know the look. It's just I'm going to probably Google Captain America and it will. <laughs> Captain America. It'll probably come up with MCU Captain America first. Um, surprisingly difficult. Let's see. I have to Google like Captain America classic or something. Captain America comics. Trying to find something that really shows it well. I see it. That one's a very bloody fan art. Yeah, there we go. That's more like. And I mean, like, he's even back in the classic uniform in the comics now. How's the one I sent? Oh, let me look. Yeah, that'll do. That's what I'm referencing. Okay. Um, I want to know when Thor picked up a new uniform. Not uniform. <laughs> that's not the right word. His costume changed. Um, Did he the, get... Is it because of the new him. hammer? Yeah. X? The hammer empowered him. Okay. I'm just going to go with that. I always forget that Mjolnir seems to have an influence on the armor. So it makes sense that Stormbreaker would give him new armor, I guess. Um, and then the other thing was, do you think they spent too much time with Peter Dinklage? Uh, maybe, maybe a little. I just felt I like I liked that whole storyline and the stuff with the forge was really cool, but it felt like it may have had an unnecessary amount of hiccups along the way. And I'm surprised how much screen time Peter Dinklage got when there's all these other people that we really want to have screen time. And it's in like, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I found that scene or those scenes interesting. And so I wasn't bothered by it. I also thought it was quite humorous that the dwarf was a giant. Okay. That's fair. I liked when they did that because I don't know if that's actually the case in the comics, but doing that like kind of plays with the, um, now I, it kind of plays with like, oh, well it's this, you, here's the expectation. Like this is the land of the dwarves, except the dwarves are actually kind of like giants. But I think it, it felt maybe a little in poor taste to make Peter Dinklage the dwarf. I don't know. Like, I guess the people are fine with it. Yeah. And I guess he probably got paid a lot of money to do it and was fine with it. So maybe that, I don't know. <laughs> are the dwarves of Nedavalier huge? I don't think they are in the comics, but oh, I think, again, they, 
What? Four seven. So no, I'm I'm looking at the wiki. Oh, I see. Anyway, also when there was a point when oh I, I just now thought of the red skull thing, and he was like oh I held an infinity stone once I held it right in my hand and it brought me here I was like does he know Thanos has that stone as he's talking to him, because I feel like that would be like particularly bitter for him. Yeah, but he never reacts that way. Anyway, that was a completely side question. Um, but yeah, the I don't know. It's being hit by the heart of a dying star where his former hammer was forged but lost. I don't know. Felt somehow poignant for Thor and going through that, then like reforging another one. Like I don't know. It, I'm sure it symbolically works out. The finding of that gauntlet raised some questions for me. Because. Okay, we'd seen the fake Infinity Gauntlet in the vault on Asgard in both Thor 1 and Ragnarok. We saw Thanos put on the Infinity Gauntlet at the end of Age of Ultron. And we saw Thanos wearing the real gauntlet in this movie and another gauntlet at Nadavalir. That was a mold. That was the mold? I think it was supposed to be the mold. Then why did it look like the gauntlet? It wasn't inverted. Yeah, because they didn't think people would understand a mold. Is that well? No, I think the maybe it was like an. Okay, when you're doing casting, I think you have to do like three or four steps where basically you're like making a mold and then like casting a fake one. Oh, do you basically carve out the thing, use that to make the mold, and then you're make? But I think there's like a couple, like you do it a couple times to get oh, with okay. different materials because you're transferring shapes across different things to get to the right thing that can t- okay. like, touch the right thing. So I could accept that it's there. Okay. All that aside, the point stands that they basically say that Thanos has just recently come there. Yeah, that's weird. And forced him to make a gauntlet. Um, Which, <laughs> like, why does... It, it had to have happened recently... Or Thor would have known that that they'd been hit and a lot of the dwarves killed. It sounds mm-hmm. like it like just recently happened. And like Thor was busy with his own stuff and that's why he wasn't able to help. Otherwise he they would have sent word and he would have come help them. But <laughs> somehow Asgard has a copy of this thing that hasn't been made yet. And then somehow Thanos has it like two or three years earlier. It sounds like you're coming around to my viewpoint of that being the worst end credit scene. Okay. I, I'm starting to get it. <laughs> On the note of years, it was explicitly stated that it's been six years since the attack on New York. Oh, yeah. And Spider-Man Homecoming said it was eight. Yeah. So I think we now officially have course corrected with them saying Spider-Man Homecoming we did not have entire control over this movie, and Sony goofed it up. I think I know the missing piece, though. Um, Banner had been Hulk for two years. So all we're missing is that he was actually Hulk for negative two years. <laughs> and this is probably the worst theory I've ever come up with. I, I can't even continue. I'm running the calculations right now, and yep, that checks out. Okay. <laughs> If only George Lucas had made Homecoming, then we would eventually get a fixed version. 
And if J.J. <laughs> Abrams had made Homecoming, he would have like said a bunch of interesting plot lines. And <laughs> interesting was useful, or was uh, very loosely used. Well, I think we're kind of petering out here. That's not a Spider-Man joke. Oh no, Spider-Man petered out. <laughs> um, I. When I initially saw this, it was with a friend who said something like, well, I want to see in the next movie where um, Cap and Tony meet up with their respective teams of Avengers and then get going. And I was like, respective teams of Avengers? You mean when Tony has the long ride back to Earth with Nebula? (laughs) Like, like Cap still has a full team of Avengers, at least. And he'd be like, I've got my Avengers. I've got her. Who's that? Thanos' daughter. Dang it. And then just having like a reaction like Thor initially like Thanos murdered my brother. Thanos murdered all our friends and you want us to Hey, she hates him as much as you do. <laughs> Which is true. She probably hates him more than Gamora did. Yeah, so I thought that Doctor Strange was gonna be Tony's ticket home, but so much for that. I almost feel like Tony's lucky to have Nebula there because she can probably she seems like the type to be able to find a way across planets more than. And then she's lucky to have him there. Cause he'll probably like ha- have, uh, be unable to stop himself from upgrading her constantly because she's like mostly <laughs> tech. Yeah. So, um, bringing up Nebula reminded me of this. Gamora's like definitely not dead, right? She's definitely just like trapped in the soul stone or something. Oh, she's definitely trapped in the soul stone. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to address that. Uh, and then the other thing is, do, 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 I think we covered everything. For now. Sweet rabbit. <laughs> I do love the affection with, with, that, with which that line is said as he hands him a synthetic eye. Thank you, sweet rabbit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have some serious doubts about that eye's ability to hold up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> In the force of a sun, and then even just his standard lightning usage, I think would short it out. Maybe the magic of the axe. I don't know. I, I'm a little bitter that they weren't willing to commit to the eye patch. Yeah, that was that did seem like when they had committed at the beginning of the movie. I was like, huh, okay. I like, and it makes tonal sense for why they did it because they're trying to have him step into being king of Asgard. To be king of Asgard, you have one eye. That, like that type of like it was showing full circle yeah. from where he was in the first movie being in, an impetuous prince versus um a someone born with the responsibility of a crown asgard is not a place it is a bunch of dead people hey valkyrie probably survived <laughs> eh, i don't know i hope people don't have their hopes up as much as i know they do <laughs> I'm going to assume she survived and made it off of a ship with Korg and Meek. <laughs> yeah, people keep saying they're looking forward to seeing them more. I just don't know if it's going to happen. Oh, the I have thing so- is, hmm? I don't believe at all that Korg and Meek are still around. I, but I, because I think they even say on the call, like that you hear at the beginning, like, we've been attacked. All the aliens are dead. Like they specifically call it out. So, <laughs> um, so my last note on this movie is. A lot of the anticipation for it seemed to be formed around people's specific desires for character interactions they wanted to see. 
The one I heard the most was people wanted to see Shuri put Rocket and Tony to shame. And those people were never in the room together. Like literally none of those three people were in the same room. Um, so I just, a lot of the most enjoyable parts of the movie were indeed character interactions. But um, maybe this isn't as much of a problem for the next installation, but in retrospect, I think hoping for very specific sets of character interactions was probably a fool's gambit. You got a very um, roundabout Shuri putting Tony Stark to shame because Bruce Banner refers to their work in the plural of we. Yeah. And she said, why didn't you just do this? And he's like, we didn't think about it. Yeah. But she only gets stuck with Bruce. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just so many characters that they're not all going to be able to talk. And I think it was smart for them to split them up as much as they did into, what was it, three, four groups? Yeah. So, yeah, that helped. And it never felt like they were depriving us of interactions with characters. So that was. Yeah. It's just in retrospect when people are like, oh, I wanted to see so-and-so and and -and so-and-so together. It's just like, yeah, it's. It's just not all going to happen. It can't happen. You can find the show notes for this episode at betterworlds.net slash podcast slash 35. And you can find us on Twitter at betterworldsnet. We also have a Slack group, which you can join by going to slack.betterworlds.net. Thanks for listening. Go then. Wakanda definitely has better coffee than Starbucks. We could only assume. Not a doubt in my mind. Because of their location, they have to, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they've engineered the perfect coffee bean for their soil and climate, so. Probably. And I can only imagine that vibranium burr grinders are just top of the line i thought you were going to say like coffee that had taken up vibranium like from the soil from the mine underneath probably gives you an extra kick well i mean the grinder would give it an extra kick so you're getting vibranium laced beans that are getting (laughs) they don't need to be vibranium laced i'm just saying you already get the grinder makes a big difference (laughs) and if it's made from freaking vibranium (laughs) I understand. I'm just trying to like incorporate vibranium at all levels. As many ways as possible. The kettle is made of vibranium. There's vibranium non-dairy creamer that's put in. The cup from which you're sipping it is vibranium.